Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we welcome Dimitri from Upswat. Um, Dimitri moved here from the Ukraine uh, a couple years ago, went over to San Francisco, joined an accelerator program over there, stayed in it. And then as the pandemic hit, he and his team moved from San Francisco to Charlotte in the summer of 2020. Great entrepreneur, lots of energy, one of those guys that you want to work with, one of those guys I can imagine he just feeds his team with energy, right? So um, smart, dynamic, um, making good decisions. But um, Upswat is a white-labeled solution that allows uh, the the banks offer to their their SMBs, right? Their small medium businesses um, that connects in 150 apps to the Upswap platform, and or I guess now it's over 170, as you'll hear him talk about in our podcast. That helps businesses. You know, it's kind of like a Mint platform that helps businesses make better management decisions, right? So really smooth, slick platform. Um, started off in you know Europe, where he's from brought it here to the U.S., um, growing at a rapid pace. They're in the process of raising capital. We'll talk a little bit of, about you know how he went about deciding how much capital to raise and how he wants to deploy it. But a lot of what you'll pick up out of this is just you know an entrepreneur talking about you know his business and how he got there and you know uh, what drove him you know to to come over here and everything else so really fun dynamic inter- interview today with Dimitri and certainly hope you listen and enjoy listening to another episode of the Charlotte Angel Connection Hey Dimitri how you doing man welcome to the podcast excited to have you on for the next 50 or so minutes Uh thanks a lot William for the invitation a pleasure to join you today Yeah no so um, I've looked forward to this since you and I connected, you know, um, I guess a little more than a year ago as y'all were kind of getting up and running here in Charlotte and, uh, y'all have kind of taken off on the, on the startup path. So it's been a little difficult for us to get together for this, but definitely excited about our time together this morning. So you and I've had the fortunate ability to talk a number of times over the course of the last uh, year plus, um, but the, some of the folks in the audience might not know you as well. So can you give us a, I don't know, a 30, 60, 90 second commercial of who Dimitri is? Yeah, sure. So like, um, you know, personally, I'm more about my company rather than myself. Uh, but originally I'm from Ukraine. We have very talented technical power base there. And this is like uh, one of the strong points in our company. We know where to get the best. So I came to the U.S. a little bit more than two years ago when we started from San Francisco, uh, developing our presence in your wonderful country. But after the crisis started, we understood that crazy prices of San Francisco on everything um, stay the same and people don't meet each other anymore in person and this is the most important uh, for early stage companies in San Francisco but as long as we are fintech uh, we know lots of bankers and some of them offered us to move to Charlotte as one of the best places in the fintech space with lots of banks uh, lots of universities with lots of people to hire and we moved and we really like this place uh, as the headquarters of our company to start growing globally yeah. so yeah well we're glad to have you i know you struggle a little bit with the humidity as we all do in july and august but other <laughs> than that charlotte's a great place to be Yes, yes. So, Dimitri, tell us a little bit about your company, right? So, like you said, you are your company and your company is you. So, um, fill in the gaps a little bit. What are you doing? How are you doing it? Yeah, like, uh, you know, me and my partners, originally, we are bankers, uh, but from Europe. And we always understood that there is lack of information about small and medium-sized businesses, not only for underwriting and scoring, but also from the perspective of building the trust and relationships with them. So what we created, uh, William, I believe you heard about an app called Mint from Intuit Corporation. So yeah, we, we created something similar, but as a white label solution designed to become a part of online and mobile banking and designed for businesses. So our platform aggregates 167 API enabled apps used by small, medium sized, self-employed almost every day. QuickBooks, PayPal, Square, Amazon, Shopify, 
uh, ADP, paycheck. So we combined everything in one place. And the bank offers business owners to connect the data from these apps to the bank. And the businesses do this because they have an option to aggregate everything in one place in understandable way to see what is happening with their cash flow forecast, to get the insights about the problems that might, might come to them in, in six months, four months, three months, or maybe even in one year. And the problem is that 74% of the businesses in the US, uh, they don't have enough experience in managing the companies. They die so often. And our solution is the way to help business owners perform better through their bank, and make better business decisions, simplify access to the funding while banks get more data to simplify underwriting and better understand what exactly their clients need right now, how they can support them to work better. And uh, by this moment, we support more than 50 financial institutions. And not all our clients are the banks. Uh, for example, MasterCard recently bought the license on our product to help merchants perform better. We are working with fintech lenders like OnDeck. Uh, the deal with OnDeck we announced a couple of uh, you know, weeks ago. We are very focused as of now on making community banks so successful. So 20 years ago, there were 20,000 banks. Right now, it's less than nine. In we got um, Old Missouri Bank, First Southern National Bank, ICBA, Independent Community Bankers of America, invested in us two times. But there is no way to build a huge company without the best people. And Charlotte seems to for us like one of the best places in the U.S. to hire talented people and grow this company together uh, with us in this in this field. Yeah. So let's start. Um, let's start kind of back at the beginning. Um, so banking background in Europe. Um, so in name of the companies up to what? So you moved to, um, moved to San Francisco initially um, mm -hmm. to start the company. Um, Why did you choose? Um, Why San Francisco out of the gate? Yeah, you know, like we, we are accepted to the acceleration program called uh, Berkeley SkyTech. It's really cool, um, cool starting point for any type of the company, no matter if you are born in Ukraine or in the US. So first of all, um, they are using resources of the Berkeley University. You have access to the community, to the alumni, uh, to all these guys. It's six months long program. You know, like my accent, uh, my mentality, everything is uh, like highlighting that I came from another part of the world and to become local, they should be the starting point uh, where we can meet the people, where we can understand what should be improved, how we should improve. And Berkeley Skydeck was the starting point for us. On the top of this, um, University gave us uh, $100,000 at the beginning for a young company. That's that's nice to have, let's say. But more importantly, uh, their LP partners are Sequoia, Mayfield, Sierra, Canvas, and lots of other great funds. So for us, that was the experience to understand how the business should be done in the US, what the VC are expecting. VC are cool people. No one wants to give them the shares in the company, but they are supportive. It's not only about the money. It's about helping your company to grow. And the starting point in San Francisco through Berkeley Skydeck helped us a lot. We raised money after that. We are closing. We are working on closing a round very soon. Uh, we are already 72 guys in the team um, right now. And we are less than three years old. Though I have to admit that I do so many mistakes uh, <laughs> and this is the path to success. This is necessity. By making mistakes, we become better. Yeah, no, absolutely. What was, um, what were some of the big takeaways? Uh, what um, big takeaways, kind of key differences from doing business over in Europe and what you had to learn about doing business here in the U.S.? Culture, lots of cultural differences. Mentality is completely different. In the US, it's everything about network, trust, and relationships. You can do the business until you know the people and people know you and they can trust you, especially in the financial industry. In Europe, uh, everything is a little bit different from this perspective. So you can do the business without uh, having any relationship with anyone. So like not so strict, but the, uh, the importance of the relationship, credibility and trust is much more, let's say, important thing in the US comparing with Europe, from my perspective, comparing yeah. with Eastern Europe, yes. Um, uh, on the top of this um, understanding of the ways the business should be done. For example, um, US has so many stories of success. 
um, thousands, dozens of thousands. This is the largest economy in the world. Um, in Europe, there are specific reasons why there are no so, so huge companies in Eastern Europe, why there are no so huge companies like Google, Microsoft, Apple, and so on, uh, cultural uh, mentality issues. And unfortunately, for centuries, uh, Eastern European countries, they were led by, from my perspective, by those uh, people <laughs> who created a huge mess uh, yeah. in our history. And um, like, you know, in Eastern Europe, there is no school, there is no, uh, I mean, there, there is no um, vision of growing entrepreneurs. Uh, schools, universities, they are developing the people that should do instead of building, creating, and working on scaling their businesses. And that's that's a huge problem from my perspective. There are lots of issues with corruption. There is the war in my country, unfortunately, with very aggressive uh, neighbor. Um, and all this stuff historically created um, the society of the people who are not going to build something huge, unfortunately. Maybe they are trying, but this is not the culture that is built in the U.S. I hope that if we build our company and make it successful, yes, uh, that will that will show uh, to lots of Ukrainians uh, that there is the path to success, no matter where you are born. And this is one of the goals for me and my partners, yeah. uh, to build a success story and bring the success to our native country. So, Dimitri, that's, you know, it makes sense as far as, building doers rather than entrepreneurs right but from the first moment you and i talked uh i don't know 16 17 months ago however long it was when when you first mm -hmm. moved here to charlotte um like you're the exact opposite of that right like, like you mm -hmm. um you are the textbook definition in my opinion of entrepreneur right so what made you different right what made you different coming out of out of that environment how'd you um how were you uh, how's it in your DNA differently? Oh, very difficult to say. When I was a 10 years old boy, I read the book uh, from Theodore Dreiser, if I'm pronouncing correctly, sorry for my accent. And there is Are trilogy. I was like, um, uh, and the first book impressed me so much that when the guy was from not very uh, rich family and he was trying and he was trying and he was failing and he failed a lot, but he was trying again and he, he could reach some success. And I understood that that I want to achieve something similar. Maybe not the same, but trying and trying and trying and can build something huge, which is difficult to build by others. I would be transparent with you that uh, I'm not looking for money. My aim is not to get the money, yes, itself. I know that one day I will die and I won't take money to my grave. And the worst thing that I can do for my kids is to leave them a lot of money, yes? Um, I'm trying to build something that will be valuable to leave some kind of the mark in the history that there was such a guy and he created some value for this world to make it, I don't want to say a better place and all this startup, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is this is more about doing something useful. And you know, like if you're doing something useful and that becomes a huge business, money always there as well, you know? So my goal is to, to build something that is very difficult to build for others. It's like in some meaning it's even competition. Uh, with the best people out there born in different countries, very smart, much better than me, but trying to get to this um, level of talented people and prove that I can achieve something as well with my people, with my team, with my partners, with my family. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, this is the goal. That's awesome. So, I mean, it's, you know, um, I was I had dinner with somebody last night and he was talking about, um, he always asked people in his first meeting with them, you know, who was your inspiration, right? And so it's neat to hear, I didn't even ask the question and you basically just go straight to it. It's, you know, it started with the book, right? And um, mm -hmm. just shows you reading books are, are such a powerful thing to do as kids and adults and everything else, right? You're, um, you're always pushing yourself to get better. Yeah. Um, what um so you're in san francisco you go through the program six months you've got to make a ton of great contacts um help you understand the business differences between you know ukraine how things are done here in the u.s mm -hmm. and you're starting to make progress you raise some seed money and you look at the map and say san francisco is expensive and we don't want to live here don't have to live here anymore um how do you find charlotte instead of Austin or Atlanta or, you know, any other number of places that you could have gone to. Why Charlotte over the other, uh, other places? 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, we are fintech. Uh, so by that moment, we were a very young company. We were like um, 15 months old. Yeah. And we had cool technology at that time. Uh, but still, we, and we started building, thinking that we can build relationships and launch with very big national banks. And at some point, that was happening at that time until we got to the compliance department. And compliance department is always, you know, they are cool people. Uh, they are wonderful people. They are smart people. But they need to mitigate the risks. And they told us, uh, with one national bank, uh, they told us, Dmitry, you know, the cool product. You have the business owner from the bank side. They really need this. But your company, when it's 15 months old, it's so-called risky vendor. You know, like we, we can't do this because you are changing our relationships with the clients, with your technology. And if something happens with your company, that would be disaster. Um, and But we could manage to build relationships. And these people were saying us, you know, there is a cool place, Charlotte. You know that lots of people at that time were thinking about leaving San Francisco. San Francisco is a wonderful place, wonderful climate, but so expensive. And there are so many other issues. Everywhere there are issues. Uh, but when you are thinking that you are paying three or $4,000 a month for a very small apartment, uh, you can't meet with the people anymore. You close the deals online. You get the seed round online. We decided that that's the perfect timing to move. And the guys uh, from, let's say, big financial institutions, they recommended us in a very friendly manner. Please take a look at Charlotte. Um, this is a cool place. We started watching different videos with my wife, with my kids. And we, we're thinking, yeah, why not? Let, let's try. We are young. And that would be also a great way to see your beautiful country. So we jumped into the car and seven days uh, we were driving to Charlotte to see the country uh, with the kids. So my, um, one of my daughters was two months old at that time. Wow. And, like, and, and I have to accept that I traveled all over the world, but U.S. is tremendously beautiful. Yeah. And uh, it, it's really you need to travel across the U.S. to understand how uh, wonderful your culture and what you could achieve uh, in the U.S. And, you know, for me, maybe that would be difficult to understand, but uh, I'm still so excited when I see, like, you know, so many birds in the skies. In, you, in, in my country, there is not, no such a thing, you know, like, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, like, um, all these animals, birds, and the nation whole, they are not that level protected like in your country. Like when I have, when I see the deers just like around the corner, running around, that, that's so cool. And I'm happy that my kids will see this. While I'm creating jobs in the US, I am paying the taxes and hopefully my investors will get huge returns on the company, on the investments that they made. Yeah. So um, we decided to move to Charlotte because that was the advice from the friends. Uh, the reason was also because lots of universities here, we can hire the people, cost of living are much lower, we can spend more money on the people, on the team, rather than on cost of living, you know. And when we moved here, you know, so many companies are opening their headquarters here, they're locating here, they're opening the branches here. It seems we made the right decision. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you in Charlotte. So let's talk about, let's talk about the business um, uh, for a little bit, right? So you're selling... You're selling the product to the, you started off selling the product to the banks, um, right? Hmm? You started off selling the product to the banks, but ultimately yes. the, the user of the product is the small businesses, right? So um, how have, how did y'all in the early days, because you essentially have to sell the bank that the small business is going to use it, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So how did y'all approach that? kind of two-step sales process to the banks? Uh, you know, like, uh, I have to admit that the first client is the most difficult client. And the more clients you have, the easier it would be. So they can talk with each other. They can get the feedback. They see that we are credible. Uh, and each new client is actually easier for us. We finally started getting million-dollar deals. Uh, so by the for the last two months, we got two uh, deals that exceed $1 million a year. And that's huge for us. That's a huge success for our company. Um, Congratulations, that's awesome. Yes, yes. And by the way, thanks to your advice, uh, we also got wealth management company. The first awesome. one. Yes, we will finally announce this deal, hopefully by the end of the year, maybe beginning of the next one. But this is a new segment. And William, you see, like uh, Charlotte community is helping with the advice <laughs> because yeah. we never thought that we can go that way. So thank you very much. Um, so we started with the banks. 
uh, we got the first banks, uh, we got them in Europe, and that was reasonable for us. We wanted to test all the problems and the bugs. I'm the guy coming from Eastern Europe. I'm from Ukraine, but for lots of US people, this is all Russia. Risky, <laughs> problematic. So we are not those guys, but still, we understand that there are some challenges, uh, and we are trying to prove that we are not Russians. This is also yeah. very important. Um, so we came to the US, um, we raised money, we got the first pilots, uh, lots of very cool people invested in our company. David Rapkin, he was leading all SMB business of American Express. Um, we got the former president of Western Union, we got the CEO of Klarna, this is the largest fintech in Europe, and we have 60 similar people who invested in our company. On the top of this, we got Charlotte money as well. So I believe you know fintech um, hub. Fintech, uh, yes. Yep. yes. So uh, Dan Roselli, all these guys, they invested in our company as well, and we became more Charlotte local company. So for us, it was very important to get the first clients in Europe to prove that the technology is working, to catch all the bugs and come to the US. So when we came to San Francisco, we had the product working. The next step was to build credibility and reputation that despite the fact that we are coming from another part of the world, we are the people whom our partners and clients can trust. And for that, it was very important to change my attitude because everything that I saw in Europe doesn't work in the US and, and vice versa. Uh, we had to raise money to show that we, as the company, we are we can we can proceed, we can grow. And it was so important to get support from Dan, uh, David Rapkin, Knut, and, and lots of other guys who invested in our company. All of them are publicly listed at our website. So there are like 16 names from financial industry. Uh, almost all of them are from the US. Right now, we are scaling. We are scaling. We are hiring more people, especially in the US, especially in Charlotte. We are closing more deals. We could prove that this technology is applicable not only in the banking space, but in wealth management, in fintechs, in MasterCard. MasterCard is, is not the bank. Um, and we proceed moving that, that way. Yeah, you know. So... Um... <laughs> So you're, you establish first businesses with their first customers with banks in, um, in, in Europe, Europe. And, and then yes. you prove to banks here in the U.S. that it's working in Europe and there are just applications and so that it can work here in the U.S. as well um, and that yes. you're not Russians and therefore you can be trusted. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so how, um, how quickly were the banks seeing the adoption from the small businesses on their platforms. In other words, how quick was the validation that the, the technology was proving beneficial for the end user? Um, so, you know, like at the beginning, we were trying to make long lasting pilots to learn. Yes, like what should be changed? What should be adjusted? And with the banks, you know, Will, that uh, after you get, for example, right now we get the approval after the second meeting, but still there is InfoSec, compliance, all these wonderful people that uh, whose job is to make everything really great and working. And sometimes the deal, signing just the documents and passing everything can take six months. So yeah. we get approval in two weeks, but later all the process can take six months, something like that. Um, and we see that, like, I can share the numbers. So right now we see that more than 45% of the people connect their apps. If the bank can say to them that you don't need to go to the branch, you don't need to prepare the documents, connect your QuickBooks, connect your PayPal, connect your Amazon merchant account, we can give you loans faster. And even cheaper, we can decrease loan interest rate, for example. But on the top of this, we will help you to aggregate everything in one place to help you perform better. COVID helped us a lot. This is disaster for the world. So many people died, unfortunately. Uh, but that helped the banks to understand that they should change and they should move faster. And COVID is helping us to push our technology because this is the perfect timing. People don't want to, to go to the branches anymore. They, they, they don't want to store only money in the bank. They need to get the support from the bank to perform better, or they will switch to the fintechs. And this is the problem that we are trying to solve to help the banks to get their clients back. Why MasterCard bought the license on our product? They are saying to the merchants, guys, we are not only the place to accept your payments. We are the place to make better business decisions and grow your company. The banks can say the same. We are not only the place to help you store your money. We are not only the place to give you the loans. We are here to support your growth day and night with the money, with the insights, with the cash flow forecast, with everything. You just need to connect your data. And yeah. And the benefits to the banks on that note is they connect the data. Um, and then the, the end user, the small business, small, medium-sized business can, can pull that data in and make better business decisions 
but then it also makes the relationship stickier for the bank because the bank can then cross sell um, opportunities, right? They now see that the um, you know the business is expanding fast, and they might need a business loan, or they might need this, or they might need that. So it makes the relationship more profitable and creates a um, a tighter relationship with the end user, end user as well, right? Yes, that, that's that's true. That the pitch? You know, like the, the, the banks are fighting right now to make their clients sticky, and you know, like upselling and cross-selling various products is uh, is more efficient than generating new clients. New clients are more expensive. Current clients monetizing them with the new solutions is much better. So how we do this? Like um, you connected, let's imagine your uh, different apps, and there will be the insight. You know, William. In six months, you are running out of cash. Let us explain you why that happened. And there will be very short story and visualization so that you see that the insight is credible. And the bank is using this insight to explain to you, William, let's support you with the funding right now so that you are not running out of cash so that you can pay your salary to your team. You know, or for example, you just bought the warehouse. Usually the bank has no idea about this. But if you connected your apps, we know about this. And that means that the bank having access to this information with the help of our technology in your online or mobile banking will make you an offer. William, would you like to get commercial credit card to help you to buy equipment for the newly bought warehouse? You decide what the bank will see. If you want the bank to become more supportive, support you at the right time with the right products, help you to get insights free of charge because businesses, they don't have resources to hire CFO, data analytics team, plan the forecast, you can do this. But we see that people are connecting the data. That means that they need this. So the um, so the businesses, um, which is a great feature, right? The businesses have the ability to dictate what the bank sees and doesn't see, right? Yes. So um, so the business isn't turning everything over to the bank sight unseen. Mm-hmm. Um, they're logging in and they maintain control, which is great privacy, gives the small business some level of... Um, perceive well i mean actual control right i mean they have actual control over it so um which is great for them because businesses are always distrusting of other people (laughs) at least early on right they want to see the benefit before they open up more stuff to it right so yes absolutely yes and and, and you know like for example there is uh one gentleman who invested in our company cost of dust he was chief risk officer in cabbage so Cabbage was recently acquired by American Express. They were actually the first one globally who offered businesses to get the loan in, in minutes, yes, by connecting their data. Why cost have invested in us? Because we could find the way how to um, help the businesses with this data. It's not only for the loan. I connect my data not to get the loan. I connect my data to aggregate everything in one place, make better business decisions with the help of my bank or with the help of MasterCard or with the help of ONDEF or any other financial institution using our technology. We are just saying that banks give back, give back to your clients, support them. SMBs, they are the blood of the economy. They create the most of the jobs in the US. They pay the most of the taxes, let's say, but no one is supporting them the way they, they should be supported. No, you're right. So you said earlier that you've got 167 apps on the platform today. Yes. How many did you start off with? Oh, you know, like that's the question of the team, uh, because uh, when we were, uh, when I was living in Ukraine and my partners, especially my technical partner, Andrew, his CTO in our company, he was managing hundreds of developers for many, many years. We know where to get the best people. And all of us, we were working with the banks and for the banks. We were in system integration processes, in integrations. All our guys, most of all our guys, we were working with them for many, many years. They were integrating lots of apps. This is what they were doing for many years this is their bread and butter so we like we invited these people to join us in ukraine and uh, we started building like the first pack of integrations very fast it took us a couple of months to get 20 apps up and running uh to deliver the first mvp to deliver the first version of the product and later we improved a lot we changed a lot we made lots of mistakes we understood what should be changed but our team is the most important asset of our company. Without the team, there is nothing like, you know, like we, we can't grow without the people. And uh, we are using, obviously, Ukraine as the technical power because this is more affordable uh, place to hire technical talent. Mm-hmm. But business development guys, salespeople, support people, PM people, they will be always in the U.S. Um, yeah. So um, you mentioned a couple of things. So I want to talk about fail fast, but before we talk about fail fast, right? Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, 
adding 10,000 apps onto the platform probably becomes problematic because you, you then there's too much, right? So how mm-hmm. do y'all make the decision internally as y'all continue to build and scale? Um, you know, what's y'all's, what's y'all's screening process for who, who gets through on the platform? Um, you know, our clients, mostly the banks, uh, they are saying us that, Dmitry, you know, we know that our clients are using this and that, and you don't have this right now. Can you place this in the road? And when we see that there is, for example, uh, several banks are saying the same and they need the same apps, we make them as the priority one. And we have resources. We can grow our technical power very fast. We just need to know how many, how many people we need during the next couple of months because road might be changing and we can hire them tremendously fast. Um, so yes, our client, we don't guess anymore. We're asking the feedback and our banks are saying us what exactly they need. And we are gathering the feedback of their end clients, like small and medium-sized businesses as well. Uh, so our roadmap is 95% probably um, based right now on the feedback that we are getting from those people who are either using our solution or are paying us. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, customer feedback is always the best. For, uh, yes. <laughs> it's always a great way to grow, right? Yes. Especially, especially you know, like uh, in the US, I noticed that so many people are very polite. Uh, this is the culture. Yes. And, um, uh, you know, startups need not the polite feedback. We need to know what is wrong. And the more rude words you use, the, the better for us. If you say that this is bad thing (laughs) please say us this we will say thank you very much you helped us we are not wasting time we understand what should be improved like you are helping us to create a new success story yeah Uh, so if there are any bankers listening to this uh, guys don't be polite Uh, more importantly when you say honestly what you think about this and that helps both sides so my wife's from Philadelphia, so I'll give you a little tip real quick. If you want honest <laughs> feedback, go to Philadelphia. They'll give it to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> you're currently, you know, you're signing some great contracts, right? Um, I think um, you've got 72 folks on the team. You're, you're, you're growing at a rapid rate. Um, mm-hmm. What's the product roadmap over the course of the next 12 to 18 months, right? Um, I mean, you're, you've got traction, you're moving in the right direction, you're about to, you know, you're in the process of raising around, you're going to close around, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you'll get the, the capital to, to kind of throw on it and, and really to make this thing hum and grow. So how do you deploy that capital? How did you, how did you come up with the capital amount that you were trying to raise to, mm-hmm. to make that decision? Okay, we're going to raise X dollars. And we're going to use those X dollars to really um, propel us forward um, and and grab um, grab market share. Yeah, you know, like uh, basically, you understand uh, how much money you need for the next two three years. You understand, like you see the dynamics, how the company is growing, how the salaries are growing. You understand how many people you need to hire for those and those tasks, and that's cool. But nowadays, I believe that there is the bubble and there will be some problems uh, in the nearest future with stocks uh, and all this stuff. Because uh, for me, it's surprising that Tesla cost much more than all other <laughs> car manufacturing companies in the world. But this is the reality, yes? We'll have to have um, another conversation about that when the phone, when the phone call gets over with them. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they're doing brilliant job. Yeah, but no, like but, still, I, mean, I believe, yeah. you know, like something, it, it, it shouldn't work like this, yes? Yeah, like, no. Um, uh, so uh, we will take as much money as we need, plus two times more. Uh, because of one very simple reason. I think that the world is changing and the world is changing much faster than it was before. We need to be protected. We need to feel uh, not convenient, but we need to become more and more reliable partner for the companies working with us. We are in financial industry. They need to see that the money are there, uh, that we are stable partner. Because if I'm right and something will happen, um, there will be lots of challenges for lots of companies and having a stable um, cash balance in, on the banking account uh, can help our company to grow further. And on the top of this, to hire much more people that we usually can't find, uh, or it's very difficult to find. Uh, on the top of this, I believe that we are even thinking about uh, acquisition of another company. Uh, this is like Equihire from our perspective. We like their team a lot. And this money might be used for those purposes as well. So to summarize, we have the plans to raise money that would be enough for at least the next 30 months, plus same amount of money. So to double the chip. 
That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so you hear a lot of startups on that note, though, Dimitri. Well, they say, you know, hey, we don't we don't want to raise more than than we need because then all of a sudden we feel like we're going to get fat and we're going to make silly, dumb decisions and stuff like that. So in your head, as you you circle through the process of um, of raising excess capital for a couple of different reasons, which I think are pretty sound reasons, um, and you think about that how how do you challenge yourself and how do you challenge your team not to think it's a bad term but i'll use it anyways like mm-hmm. a fat cat right how do you stay lean in the process how do you how do you intend to keep the company as a lean uh, i don't know cheesy term lean green machine going forward after you raise excess money it's only thanks to the people to the executives in the company so uh, you know like my attitude to hiring the people is very simple is if we are hiring the guy who should deliver some results, why should we hire someone and say them what they should do? Like the most important that they should say us what we should do. So right now we know whom we are going to hire from very interesting, large, well-known companies in the US uh, to help us from the revenue perspective, business development perspective, from whom I will learn and my partners will learn as well. And these people, they are switching from very well-paid positions with the huge stability into something new and this motivation for them. Something very risky because young company is always about the risk. They are jumping here because they believe that they can uh, bring the best corporate practices in transforming the startup into the corporation, but they understand that corporation has disadvantages. Just what you're told, slow processes, um, uh, like uh, less acceptance to the risk, and they want to change this. They want to prove, these people want to prove, that they are not only corporate people, they can work in any type of the company and make it tremendously successful. And this is the people that we are looking for, that they are ready to take to accept the risk. Uh, On the top of this, uh, in our company, there is one very simple rule. We need to make mistakes. So like uh, we never say anything bad to our people who are making mistakes. We are saying, well done. Right now you know that it doesn't work. You have more information to make the right decision. Whatever we do, people make mistakes. This is in our nature because of lack of information, lack of experience, because the world is changing all the time. But by making mistakes, we can move much faster. I always insist, guys, like we shouldn't look for the best ever solution and spend months on making decisions. Let's better make mistakes, but we will understand what is working or what is not working much faster. Yes, there is tons of risk in making lots of mistakes, but at the same time, this is we train our people to become better. And strategically, I am absolutely sure that that will deliver a huge outcome. And even if my company is not successful, I would be happy if my people uh, that are growing in our company right now, they will launch their own startups, having this experience. And one day I'm sure that lots of them will reach huge success, maybe even much, much larger than I can achieve myself. You've mentioned people on a number of occasions and roundabout culture in a, um, on a number of occasions over the last 40 minutes or so in our, in our conversation. So again, Eastern European um um mm-hmm. born raised culture bred a little bit of time on the west coast and now you're here in charlotte um how do you you know what's the goal with y'all's culture right how because it's a hard thing right i mean you brought 72 people on board over the course of the last what um i don't know call it mm-hmm. 24 to 30 months um and creating and growing a culture in that type of world how are how are y'all what type of culture is it i mean obviously the fail fail fast culture is is something that 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 you're trying to bring to it but how do you establish culture these days no you know like i'm trying to get the best from both worlds in eastern europe there are so many things that uh are helping the company to grow Uh, like there is the reason why we have so many talented developers in ukraine uh, because when the environment around you is so difficult, so many problems, governmental problems, uh, tax problems, uh, corruption problems, people are trying to become the best in something. Yes, like truly the best. And that's why we can get the best technical talent uh, because of different reasons. And they are the most paid uh, people in Ukraine and, you know, all this stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, I will give you one example. I have kids. My daughter is going to the Charlotte school, public school. And what my daughter is taught there how to present her ideas and not to make mistakes in ukraine unfortunately though this is wonderful country with wonderful people we just need to learn but we are never 
explained how that actually works in the real environment. We just opened the book, we read, it should be done like that, and that's it. Uh, like it's so so stupid, yes. But you understand that this is stupid when you can compare. So my daughter is taught in the public school of Charlotte how to present her ideas, how to make mistakes. That mistakes are not that level bad. It's experience for you um, that you need to try, and if you fail, you should try again. Uh, in Ukraine, despite the fact that we have very strong mathematical school, that's why we have so many cool engineers. Everything else is just about just read and remember without any need in understanding. And that's a huge difference. And that's why you have so many entrepreneurs, while in our country we don't have so many. So I believe that if we can combine the best of both of the, of both worlds, for example, strong technical school, wonderful technical talent, very self-motivated people in achieving their goals, uh, in becoming the best developers, let's say, ever, yes? And at the same time to bring entrepreneurial culture from the US, the people with the experience of building the trust and relationships, understanding that relationships is everything, we can create something really great. Yeah. And, and this is how we are trying to do this, to get the best of the both worlds and mix it. If we are capable to do this, probably we'll know in a year. Awesome. But right now, this is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. No. So um, <clears throat> before the podcast started, I asked you, um, so we're recording here on November 19th, what you're doing for Thanksgiving. Um, mm -hmm. and you mentioned that banks in Europe aren't closed for Thanksgiving. And I told you what a shame it was, um, <laughs> yeah. so what's, um, <laughs> but, um, what do y'all, um, so what's your, what's your balance these days, right? How are you cross selling to, do you have a different like European division and U S division, or is it the same thing? Or how do you, um, how are you selling across continents right now? Uh, to be honest with you, we are like, we are, we are dedicating 99% of our resources to the US. Mm -hmm. And uh, Europe was the necessity for us from the whole beginning, but it's not necessity from the strategic perspective growth. Yeah. Uh, US is everything for us right now. We just got really nice traction in, in Canada. We got on deck in Canada. We got uh, two national banks. We got one governmental institution. But still, the focus is on the US, and we are hiring the people in the US. We have some clients. We got a couple of banks in UK. We got one bank in Spain. But still, this is you know like if this is interesting case for us, if the yeah. bank is well known, if this is if that allows us to let let's say show to the VC that actually we can go to any part of the world. But the focus is only in the US. Without the focus, you can build the company as well by yeah. some point. So US is everything for us. Yeah. Um, what do you, right. Um, Stephen Covey said, begin with the end of mind and, you know, every, and, and you mentioned earlier that kind of like that Steve jobs quote, you want to leave a dent in the universe is, is kind of what you said. Um, mm -hmm. your, your goal was out of the beginning and not necessarily to create a, a huge pile of cash that you can go to the grave with. Um, so when you think about building the company and continue to grow it, right, you raise money expectation is at some point in time, shareholders have to, have to be, have to be paid back. Right. Um, how do you, how do you think about the end? Right. Is it, uh, do you think about exits to, to partners? Do you think about IPO exits? Um, how do you vision the company growing over the course of the next five to 10 years? Uh, well, you know, I don't have, this is probably bad. Yes, but I don't have an answer right now. So I understand if the company is progressing according to the plan and even better, we will aim IPO. Uh, but if we realize that, for example, right now, it's more important to combine the efforts with someone who is really established business uh, uh, to grow faster together, we are we are not open to this right now, but that yeah. might be the path for us. Because like we got several acquisition offers, but we are not ready to sell. Everything is okay in the company. We make mistakes, but we are growing. Uh, we are becoming better. I understand that my next company uh, would be much easier to build because I, I have more experience right now. So, and as I told you from the whole beginning that the goal is not the money. The goal is to build something really cool and something really huge. Um, so there is no answer to your question right now. Hopefully, after we close a round in one year, when we have the metrics, when we can see the dynamics of growing the company, I will have an answer. But right now, I can't answer. We don't have the decision yet. We know that everything has the price. If there will be a nice offer from the people whom we can trust, with whom we can cooperate, because if I sell the company, I make my people work with another team. And 
this my people should feel convenient with these people. It's not only about the money, it's my people. They are important. And uh, But right now we are not ready to sell. I can say that we are aiming IPO. The goal right now is to make the business as scalable uh, as possible. Yeah. So if I heard you correctly, that means that you're, you've committed to come back onto the podcast in 12 months. Is that a give or take? Is that about yes. right? Yes, would yeah. be happy to share. Yes, yeah. what, what happened since then. So you build a software that helps businesses um, understand the data and make good decisions on it, right? Yeah. Um, what data do you look at for your business? Um as you think about growing and scaling it, right? Is it, is it bank partners? Is it users on the platform? Um, is it retention and clicks within each, um, within each company? What's the data that tells y'all that you're driving success um, and doing things the right way? So like, you know, um, startups have different stages and the mm-hmm. metrics that I control would be different from stage to stage. Right now is the number of the signed deals. Right now it's also how fast we can convert, uh, uh, let's say, uh, conversations into something that is signed and launched. Yes. Um, this is from one side because everything is about the revenue uh, in any case and scalability. Like at this stage, we are not that level in even focused on revenues, but uh on closing as many deals as possible. This is more important. But the late the later stage company is the more I was thinking about the revenue and revenue growth. Yes, uh, on the top of, this is one side I'm selling to the banks. But as you know, my platform is also about other type of the end users, SMBs. So the most crucial metric and the actual problem that we are solving is how to push your will to connect your data. And when we started the company, that was something around 20%. Right now we have 45, 47%. And that's really cool. The goal is to reach 60 and 70 and 80. And maybe one day, uh, even 100% of the businesses should connect the data. The second most crucial metric is adoption rate. So how often you come back. And we are making everything possible to get you back. So we explain, William, something like you get email from the bank saying, William, we just found the way how to cut your calls by 7%. Let's take a look at this together. Everyone is coming back. Yeah. You know, like everyone wants to see how they can cut the calls. And we delete, we like, we build this insights in order to um, make them useful for both sides. And we are training. We see that William didn't react on that email, but reacted on that email. So, okay, there is something. Who is William? William, for example, is the owner of the business, $5 million in revenues, 55 employees, blah, blah. Okay, that's working. Let's test with another person similar to William business if this insight is working. And we can build the model after that. So coming back to your previous question, what we are going to build later, uh, we will slow down in integrating more and more apps. And we are mostly focused right now on de- delivering the models, propensity models, prediction models, like and all this type of the models to help both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome, Dimitri. I've, um, I'll, you know, you, you run across different founders, different personalities, um, and there's no one type of personality that fits um, a successful startup or successful founder, right? I mean, they're, they're different personalities that come. I'd always say you run across those founders from time to time that kind of give their employees the, the courage and propensity to run through a brick wall. Um, and you've got that dynamic ability not to hurt your employees, but having them run through a brick wall just to give them the confidence. Right. So, um, you know, talking with you, I think, you know, and, and just listening to you talk, I think our listeners will agree that, um, you're doing a great job in, in building the company and, and, and leading the company and leading the employees. So, um, I don't know, it's been a, I guess what I'm saying, it's been a, it's been a fun 50 minutes. I always enjoy talking to you. I always enjoy hearing more about the business and how you're doing it and scaling it and how you think through decisions and how you came to the U S and have done all these things. So certainly, um, thank you for spending the last 50 minutes with us and sharing your story with the listeners. And I think it's probably safe to say that everybody that, that, um, that just listened to you, um, is now a cheerleader in your camp. Um, and certainly I know the Charlotte community would love to see you succeed and we'll do anything we can. So thanks so much, Demetri. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for the invitation and hopefully you guys, our listeners will like what they heard today. Yeah, no, and hopefully, hopefully they'll pitch in and, um, and help you grow the business to the next level too. Right. 
Yeah, very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dimitri, you um, take a little time off on Thanksgiving and um, and then get back to work afterwards, right? Sure, agreed. Likewise, thank you. Thanks so much. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.